2: Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike
3: Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Hope you are all doing well this week. Yes, I know a lot of you were excited. We went live with video last week on the program. Not this week. We're going to try to do it again down the road, but... This week it's all about the matchup, we're on the podcast network, we have a lot to discuss this week, so no time to waste ahead of a little friendly colleague versus colleague bragging rights matchup on BTL this week, so let us introduce the combatants, we'll get right into the first question. First, introducing the man who was in Las Vegas during a crazy UFC 266 event last week from MMAfighting.com, one of the grizzled BTL veterans over the years, the man who could do it all, Mr. Jose Youngs. Hello sir, welcome, how are you? Am I was I on the original show? Like the first episode? I think so. I think you been was, it's like you was Damon the ma- Was y- this the matchup <laughs> of the first episode? Was it? Oh on MA like in
4: this
5: version? An MA Fighting yeah. version?
4: I know I cooked Damon because I remember that was like right when we start like Casey started to take produce like took over the producer role and uh we were trying that new software and it kept crashing Casey's computer. So it took, like, three and a half hours to record one episode. But uh, yeah. I know, I believe it was either me or AK or me and Jed in episode one. Because I think I started off hot, like, 3 and 0. Oh, and then cooled off a bit.
3: Uh, it was. Jose Youngs and Alex right. K. Lee. And oddly enough, we were just, the first topic we discussed was the latest with John Jones. And that's what we're going to be talking about this week, too. Mm. Full mm-hmm. circle, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen. Full circle. Time
4: is a
5: flat circle.
3: <laughs> as Sean I think Sean
4: Elshadi coins that phrase, right? It came from nowhere else.
3: It's <laughs> a very Sean Shady, uh thing to say, no doubt about that. And as you heard already, you've heard the voice of the Prince of Positivity, the co host of <clears throat> On to the Next One, also from MMAFighting.com. And it may or may not be his birthday once again. Mr. Alex Kaylee, hello there, sir. No tuxedo it's needed, me. just your voice. How are you? It's me. Uh, I'm here. Yes.
5: Uh, yes. Yeah, Spoiler,
3: guys. Spoiler. Sorry to uh, jump
5: in early, and uh, our, our our listeners now know that yes, it will be a, a battle of the the original colleagues, acquaintances, amicable uh, members of the shared MMA community. I think that's you know that is not best friends like you and I are, Mike. Mm. Not that I want to influence any of the judging that's going on today, but I just want to make everyone's relationships clear here. Always love having a little tête-à-tête avec jose young's so uh, i'm looking forward to today's show mm-hmm.
3: yes a jed mishulis btl this week in fact i'm gonna see jed in person for the first time ever tomorrow morning I'm gonna play some golf with mr mishu you're here saying in I've, I've
4: worked with jed for almost three years and you're gonna have met him in person more than me
3: <laughs> yes i think so it just wow. just turned out schedules worked out and we're gonna play some golf and <laughs> and, and talk some smack so Let's get into this thing. Let's talk about the biggest story in the sport right now. It's not a very good story, but John Jones, his latest arrest. This time, he's facing charges of domestic violence, tampering with the vehicle. The police report was made public from the Las Vegas Police Department earlier this week with some pretty horrifying details and allegations, some some very scary and heartbreaking accounts of that night in Las Vegas after the Hall of Fame. And we, of course, reacted to the initial news of the arrest on Friday, but more has come out since then. Dana White has reacted to it on multiple occasions. John Jones is saying that this will now end up being the best thing that has ever happened to him and that he's no longer going to consume alcohol. It's just a lot to unpack over these last five or six days. So, Jose, let us begin with you. Your reaction to the police report, John breaking his silence, kind of on Instagram stories, lifting weights, and just everything we've learned of these charges over this week. Well, I think I would have, I'm gonna have a little
4: bit of a different, um, it it, it hit me a little differently than I think most of the MMA media landscape because I saw John Jones in person. But not only did I see John Jones, his fiance and, and kids, were about four feet away from me that night at the UFC Hall of Fame red carpet. Like, I was about two feet away from John Jones interviewing him, and she was right behind me sitting with her kids, like with UFC PR. So, we went, we right after that, we like obviously the next day we had official weigh ins, and me, our Good friends Oscar Willis and New York Rick went to go get breakfast after and during the drive over all of our phones started to blow up and less like we had just seen all of those people less than 12 hours ago. So we were just like it hit us like like how is this even possible because uh, I'm, I'm sure you guys watched the red carpet interview we did with them like John Jones is a very charismatic captivating individual and I, I think I've I've I talked to our colleague Alex, Alex about this too like I saw her in person a few days ago. <clears throat> And, like, she interviewed John Jones after one of his previous transgressions, and he, she said the same thing, like, he just does a good job of convincing you that this is all, all of his troubles are in the past. Like, he's done this before. Like, he's a very, like, you know, I think his phrase is, like, right. I'm going to do things more legally controversial. That's what he said on the red carpet, and then less than 12 hours later, he's getting arrested for domestic violence. So you, he, he just does a really good job. I don't know if it's his PR person, his publicist, whatever, but he does a really good job of getting you to believe what he says. I don't know how you can believe him anymore after this because there's one thing like like drunk driving is awful, hit and run awful. Like Everything he's done is terrible, but I don't know how you can look past domestic violence, especially from a sport that is com- com- combative. Like John Jones is also a heavyweight now. He's huge. He was like 250 pounds when I saw him. His fiance is a very small blonde woman. And she was very nice, but it's it's just I don't know how you can look past this. I don't know what to do with him next. Like they're not going to cut him, so before we go, what should we do with John Jones? I'm not even going to say cut him because that's not a possibility. They're not going to let John Jones go to Bellator or anywhere else like this. Uh, I I was I don't want to say horrified, but I wasn't surprised at John Jones's Instagram story because he has this very much like oh woe is me. Like his phrase, "This is the best thing that ever happened to me," is. Like the worst thing you could, like, it's like outside of like, I'm glad I did it. It's like the worst thing to say because he's not the victim. He, his fiance was bloodied. The bedroom was bloodied. And his kids, his kid, his daughter is the one that said, call the police. And you're saying this is the best thing that ever happened to me. That's stupid. That is the stupidest thing I could have, like you could have said. That is the worst thing you're at for your first statement because you're not the victim. It's not, oh, God is testing me. Oh, it's the alcohol's fault. It's your fault. And also... Let's not forget he was in Las Vegas for the UFC Hall of Fame. They were celebrating Jon Jones, and then this happens. The fact that he like – is this the first thing that Jon Jones has done in Las Vegas to get arrested outside of – like obviously he had like the USADA pop, but everything else has been like New Mexico or other places. And then Dana White saying we can't take him to Las Vegas because he gets in trouble. How many times do we know has he been in trouble in Las Vegas? One, this is the first time? What don't we know? what has happened that we don't know so it's it's it was disgusting i can't i don't know what i don't know what like obviously let the legal system play out um but it is absolutely horrendous and it just it was already disgusting but after reading the reading the report and seeing that it was his kid that find like because i'm sure we've all seen or known someone or seen is even depicted in fictional like tv shows or books like in, in ca- cases of like domestic violence, like oftentimes one of them is afraid to speak out because they're afraid of the reperc. They're afraid of the their significant other, and that's kind of how it came off in the police report. So the fact that a child is the one that finally stepped up and was like, "Hey, call the police," horrifying, absolutely horrifying all around.
3: A.K., how do you feel about it now, following our initial sort of response to the arrest, sort of the basics of it all, because we didn't know a lot and we had a. Be very careful with our words and still in a way we still have to be sort of careful with our words But now we've seen a police report like you could read it all and everything has gone public at least from What happened from the police perspective and the reports they've written and seeing some of these horrifying details like where, where are you out with this thing? as of right now
5: I Think if anyone uh, watches our reaction video that we made for you know when when the news first broke um, I know this will only be audio, so you guys might get a better sense of like how, how I was at the time. This was last Friday. I was I was exasperated You know, I was exasperated, frustrated that we're we're thrust into the John Jones news cycle like this again. Um, definitely try, you know, before trying to sort of contain my disgust with the situation again, because, as you said, we hadn't had the details. We have the details now. There's still sort of allegations. But I mean, what we know, it's it paints a pretty grim picture um, I feel like even in a best case scenario, depending on like what you decide to believe, it's still just this horrible, horrible, horrible situation where his, uh, you know, his fiance of, of 17 years is clearly in this in uh, abusive relationship that, uh, I uh, just really feels like she cannot get out of, you know, and before, before anyone judges her for, Oh, why stay with this man? If she's in this situation, it's like they have three kids together. He's, uh, he, he's clearly, you know, he's, he's the breadwinner. And they've been in a relationship for 17 years. I don't think any of us can even begin to unravel the complexities of, of of, uh, of the, you know, the connection that these two have. So, you know, she might love him, she might not, she might hate his guts, but there's, it's so, so complicated and I don't think any of them, they're pretty private about, uh, you know, we, we don't hear from her a lot. I think I think judging that side of it is very difficult, but I, I'm, I've definitely moved on from exasperated to rage. Uh, And and further discussed with John Jones, because his as Jose pointed out, his reply is just the ultimate in avoiding accountability. It's it's just the alcohol. It's uh, it's a it's a learning. It's a learning thing. It's something I will this incident I will turn to the best thing to ever happen in my life. This alleged domestic battery incident. I I don't see how how it could possibly become a a positive thing. But this is what he is. The statement that he has put out Uh, what the devil means for bad. God means for good. So also, again, as he often does in these situations, leaning on his faith, leaning on religion. Um, and I'm not judging religion as a whole. I'm judging how John Jones uses his faith as a, as a weapon, as a shield, as a way to protect himself and say, well, this is just another test that I will overcome. He's done this many times in the past. He's released similar statements. So this is nothing new. Um, so in that sense, it's horrific. So my, my big change, I will say, uh, from this incident to this, this incident in the past is I've always maintained John Jones as a sociopath. He has no empathy for other people, um, and he doesn't recognize when he's when his actions hurt other people. I am starting to think now he might actually be a psychopath and completely detached from reality. I, that might be the only way to explain his reaction to the news that has just come out. Again, allegations. The details are still, you know, we just have what we have in the police report, um, but it doesn't look good. And his reaction, I think, looks makes it all look even worse.
3: Okay, a lot has been made about how the UFC and Dana White has responded to all this and Friday was more why are you surprised by this this happens to, to John all the time Vegas isn't for him just, just kind of ripping John you know and, and at the same time Dana's waiting for this all to play out legally before making any decisions on what to do with John Jones and some people are calling for John's head on this like the UFC should just cut bait like let's not wait for the legal system let's just cut him right now and there's Two sides to this in a lot of people's minds, right? There's the morality side. There's the public relations side. Like, if this is all true, if he is found guilty, you've got to cut ties with this guy. There's no way he can be mentioned in the same sentence as this guy. But then on the other side, like Jose sort of alluded to, it's a business. Like, do you cut him and let him go to Bellator or Triller or BKFC, etc.? And allow him to make money and make a living outside of the UFC. And Chell Sonnen, I mentioned this to you before he recorded, he put out this video the other day and said, like, the best punishment the UFC can give John Jones is to not cut him, to keep him under contract and just freeze him, just put him on the shelf and not do anything with him. And he basically said, like, not to turn the pistol on Dana White for not making a decision yet because it is a business and he's got all these things to weigh out. So, AK, I know the hypothetical game is a tough one to play in situations like this, but... If John goes to court, if he's found guilty, all of this stuff is proven to be true. What do you think will happen from a UFC pers- perspective?
5: I, I understand the the suggestion from Mr. Chilstonen that that um, you know if they really want to stick it to him, if they really want to punish him and send him a message, it would just be to keep him around and, and keep him on their uh, on their payroll, not really getting paid, and uh, not allow him to again potentially sign with them. Competitor and and make a living as a fighter and what have you, but for me, I think I'm I'm looking past uh, what message they sh- they wanted they should you know be trying to send to John Jones and just the message they should be trying to send out to the public and so for me, I would like to believe if if uh, these allegations are substantiated. That they would just cut bait. That they that they would cut bait. Maybe even like I don't understand why they can't cut him during the investigation. Because you can always resign him. I mean, we've seen. I don't want to say this has happened in other leagues because I know the NFL's famously bungled uh, several domestic violence cases. So I don't want to point to them as an example. But uh, I I do think that you can you can. The UFC has such a, operates with such autonomy that they could cut ties with him hope i'm uh, sure i should say hope assume that no one else will touch him while this investigation is underway maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm overestimating uh you know again sort of uh made promotions but that yeah he would be radioactive for however long this investigation is going on and then revisit whether you still want to be in business with this guy because look they are associated with espn now espn is associated with disney there's this whole and again the ties aren't direct but I feel like the, the optics of the situation. I think it would the UFC would send a very very strong message, uh, and sort of reinforce what they've said in the past, but haven't always stuck to, that zero tolerance for domestic violence. Let, you know, let's let's use John as an. It, it's from if you want to look at it from a business, standpoint, more cynical way, use John as an example. Use John Jones to say, look, if we're willing to punish him, clearly we are serious about how we how we police our fighters and and about their behavior, uh, despite the fact that. Literally, like a few days after the John Jones news broke out, I think Greg Hardy uh, reportedly has his fight now. So that's a whole other thing. But if they want to if they want to send a strong message again, not to John Jones. I think I think that they're right. That I think that if you want to punish him specifically, you just keep him around and, and just keep him twisting in the wind. But if it's for from a PR perspective, I think the further this goes along, I think at some point you really do just have to cut him. I'm not saying they will. I just I would like to see that happen.
3: Yeah, I remember how. The, remember the code of conduct. Remember the whole UFC code of conduct. It, I feel like we haven't heard anything about it since it, like its inception. But Jose, <laughs> l- l- let me let me frame it this way because you feel like the UFC is just gonna let him fight or whatever. But let's just say John Jones. Either way, found guilty, found innocent, cuts a deal, whatever. John said in that interview that you talked about that he wants to return second quarter of 2022 fight for the heavyweight title. Now, one other thing on the business side. This clearly diminishes john's value no matter what since it's something that he's going to be attached to now so maybe the ufc in a way is thinking hey look this sucks this is awful pr we got 700 maniacs on the roster and shit happens but now they see john arguably the greatest fighter of all time is a guy that is in a position where his back's against the wall he could play ball a little bit more be more open to other fights less money all of that so what does your gut tell you right now? You feel like the UFC is not going to cut him, not let him go to a competitor. But do you feel that the timeline will still line up? Like if he doesn't go to jail or whatever, will, do, are you confident we'll see John Jones fight in 2022? I guess is what I'm asking you.
4: Um, I'm not. I have zero percent confidence that'll be second quarter, 2022. It'll probably be near the end because they obviously they want stuff to play out because it's like like I said, it's one thing to get like obviously. Anything he does is is bad. It's horrendous. But like, and I don't want to say one is worse than the other, but the optics of a professional fighter putting his hands, like a very large, the greatest of all time professional fighter putting his hands on a woman, is just the optics are bad. I'm sure Dana White. I'm sure Disney. I'm sure Ari, who Hunter Campbell, whoever is going to at least hit pause. On John Jones fighting for the title. Not that they don't want him to, but I think it's just the, the as you said, the business of it, the optics of it. They're not going to put him there. Um, and this kind of reminds me of like, remember when John Jones fought Ovin St. Preux? Like, he kind of did it as a favor to the USC. Like, we were supposed to fight Daniel Cormier, and then Daniel fell out, and <clears throat> like the old John Jones would have just pulled out completely. Like, he did. Like, he, he like, he, he remember, he didn't, he famously didn't want to fight Chael Sonnen, and they canceled that whole card. But he stayed on and fought Ovin St. Preux Because he kind of wanted to make it up. And then remember he took fought Anthony Smith, he fought Tiago Santos, he fought Dominic Reyes. Like these are all like favors to the UFC because he missed all of that time. I have a feeling if he does fight maybe this the fourth quarter of 2022, it'll be something like that. Obviously, I obviously I would expect him, like say he's cleared or whatever. I can't imagine that's the case, but best case scenario for John Jones. He's like he can fight. I'm pretty confident they're still gonna give him the title shot right away because at the end of the day like you said this is a business and i would say the second john jones fights in the heavyweight division he's one, if not the second biggest draw in that division it's him and francis him and francis is still the biggest fight the ufc could put on and and i hate to say it like i like people have started tweeting at me about it and i saw it on twitter like what if they just made derrick lewis and john jones we all know derrick lewis's hatred for fighters that even have been accused of putting their hands on him. He famously he said he did he said all that stuff to Travis Brown when they fought. And obviously I know Travis got cleared and all that stuff, but at the time, Derek Lewis, that was his whole thing. That's what that's what he built that fight on. He always has all this negative stuff to say about Greg Hardy. I don't expect them to go that route, but if they want to give John Jones a fight, that will at least drum up some interest. I highly doubt they would make it the Derrick Lewis fight now that I think about it because they don't want to build that fight. Like, do you think they want to talk about <laughs> that, that, that be for ugly. two months? That would be real ugly. So th- now I take it back. There's a 0% chance John Jones ever fights Derrick Lewis now because they don't want that build for two months of that. So, but I, I, I don't know. I expect John Jones to fight for the title first, but say that doesn't happen, John Jones is going to take like the next best thing just because I feel like he wants to smooth his image over like he's tried to do in the past <clears throat> yeah this situation just it but, just he, sucks you shouldn't even be thi- no one should even be thinking about john jones fighting 100
3: percent right yeah, yeah. Like, Some, the
4: worst crazy thing, the worst thing because like a couple of our colleagues uh, on the site were like is this the worst thing that could happen the worst thing for john jones and obviously well the worst thing that he's ever done is has happened like if there is an image like a rihanna type image Like, remember after her incident with Chris Brown and the photo came out with her black and blue? If that image comes out of his fiance like bloodied, that's, I don't think there's coming back from that. That is just absolutely horrendous. From just an optics point of view, there shouldn't be no coming back from touching a woman anyway. But from like a business point, that's the worst thing that could happen for John Jones.
3: Yeah, if that image comes out, you cut his ass. Let him go to wherever he wants. If Triller wants to sign him and pay him a bunch of money, you let him. You let them deal with that headache. But again, all allegations still needs to play out in court. Clearly, John not doing himself any favors with the whole IG story thing. But, I mean, maybe he has a PR team. If he does, he needs, like, a social media PR team to, like, you do not post anything, and, like, let's be clear, because there's not a, a soul on this planet who would be like, you know what, John, that's a great idea. And I don't know her name, but
4: I think she sat next to John Jones. I remember when he did that that press conference when he was like crying after the Usada pop? I th- she was like right next to him. And then when I interviewed John before UFC 239, when he fought Tiago, you couldn't see her, but she was right there. I think that was like his publicist, less public. What do you call it? Like she was there to make sure he didn't say anything stupid. And I so. I don't know if she still works with him anymore, but she's—I've seen her many a time. Right there, she's so basically like the angel on John Jones' ear, telling him to like, don't say something dumb.
3: Yeah, take his phone, take his phone, and yeah, yeah don't even let him use his phone. Get right him now. a
4: driver. Take
5: his phone. Take his
4: wallet. Take everything.
3: Yeah. Give him a curfew. Yeah. Give
4: him yeah. give him
5: uh, someone to watch over, like a handler, something. Like this mm-hmm. is again, and, and look, this is more you know, more attention to him than, than he deserves. Like I said, really right. You know, I, 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 I'm sure people listening are like, well, we know we should, of course, be just concerned for his fiance, for his children. That's a whole other thing. They also need protection. They also need to be looked after. They need to be taken care of. They need some way to, again, either get out of the situation or find some sort of resolution. Again, I don't know all the details of the relationship, so I, I can't even, be- I not wouldn't even know where to begin. Um, but that, that's the other side of the story that I, I you know, we keep saying it and we, we, we want people to, to keep that in mind. There's another human being here, three and three other human beings, excuse yeah. me, and his children who are involved and I don't know what they're gonna do, but I hope that they again that they get some sort of assistance, someone's looking after them because this is this is far from over. It really feels like it's far from over.
3: Agreed. And I know this is kind of a crappy way to start the show, but we're going to move on to in transition to more positive things. We're going to talk about a very exciting event this past weekend in Las Vegas, UFC 266, especially uh, just an instant classic main event for the featherweight title. But we will move on. The point for round one goes to. I give it to Jose Young's, but I mean, just but I mean, it's, it's not even a point that. You really want, right. but it just is what it is. It's <laughs> worth discussing. Yeah. And uh... the NBA playoffs are heating up,
0: and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down.
3: We move on to the aforementioned UFC 266 main event because that fight between Alexander Volkanovski and Brian Ortega was crazy. Volkanovski looked amazing and Ortega is just a dangerous opportunistic cat and nearly got himself a submission win in one of the best rounds you will ever see. That third round Volkanovski guts it out. Ortega is super tough, probably too tough for his own good. Volkanovski wins via decision 50-45, 50-44, 49-46. The scores don't indicate how like close and how exciting that fight actually was. Volkanovski retains. AK, your reaction to this main event, and more specifically, if there was like one thing you took away from it more than anything else, what was it?
5: Vindication! <laughs> uh, I... I hope that people. I, I I hope people learn to love Alexander Volkanovski. I I understand uh, this is what happens sometimes when when you're dealing with. Uh, sorry, one second. Uh, I understand this is. Uh, sorry, this is what happens sometimes when you're dealing with a fighter who beat who beats a fan favorite and you know Max Holloway twice time very controversial which made it worse i think I, it was bad both times the first fight it wasn't like a super exciting fight i think a pretty clear-cut win for volkanovsky but not the kind of fight that had like holloway fans going like oh man our guy got beat it was more like it was like ah oh, whatever he he outpointed him you know volkanovsky's volkanovsky's not 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 the real best featherweight. would love to see him run it back which they did and in that second fight the two the two biggest moments belong to holloway he had the knockdowns in the in, in the first couple of rounds and then but again I think if you watch the fight I think Volkanovski clearly won the last two and the third is up for grab. It's a great fight. It's kind of an underrated great fight. I, I, it's a shame that it's more controversial than it is like people look back at it positively. It's like that's a really good fight. Um so I, I after after that performance on on uh Saturday I don't know what more Volkanovski could have done to bolster his reputation. He was he showed how uh, dominant he can be technically. He showed he can face adversity this was not an easy win by any stretch he was almost finished himself a couple of times uh ortega just doesn't go away uh, even though maybe he should have been someone should have made that decision for him uh, going into the championship rounds but uh yeah and and he faced a guy who's very dangerous yes someone who holloway also pieced up but i think a worthy a worthy number one contender i don't think anyone could dispute it um outside of him running it back with holloway over and over again so for me vindication is definitely the key I think Volkanovski does a great job with the media. I think he's got a good personality. So I hope people enjoy his age as well. Um, I, it was great that he got to fight in Las Vegas uh, in front of a crowd. So, so yeah, I mean th- that that was the biggest takeaway. With 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 credit to Ortega and 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 you know all the other tough featherweights, Volkanovski is the man and should be recognized as such.
3: Jose, you were in Las Vegas. You watched it all. W- when that fight ended, I don't know if you were in the arena or not, but. What, what, what was your biggest takeaway? What was, like, your number one thought coming out of that fight?
4: That I think what Brian Ortega said at media day, yeah. that him, Volkanovski, and Max Holloway are going to be, like the, like, the three kings of that featherweight division. I was like, I don't, like, maybe you can throw in, like, a fourth person later on. But right now, those three are just operating on another level. Because Volkanovski won. But I said this, like, I think they said this in our preview show. Like, it could be a fight where both men emerge as, as like, yes, technically one has an L on their loss, on their professional record, but I don't know anyone that's talking down about Brian Ortega outside of the stupid trolls that have like no Twitter avatar on in, in the Instagram comments or the bots or whatever, but like that fight was unbelievable. If you want to tell me that's the best fight of the year, I don't, I'm not gonna argue with you. If you want to tell me that's the best featherweight fight ever, if you want to put that, like I put that fight right next to like the second Aldo Mendes fight for like featherweight fights of all time. It was absolutely spectacular. The arena was like, the whole arena was like vibrating like during that third round. I have I can't remember a louder T-Mobile arena than that third round. Like Obviously there's like been some knockouts and stuff like that, but in terms of like, like you hear, like I'm not talking about a pop. I'm talking about like a continuous, like everyone screaming as loud as they can for about five minutes. That is what the third round was. That was, that was an image where <clears throat> I've been. To, I did almost all of the pandemic cards, so I got used to the silence. And there are obviously fights that, are like, oh, I wish this was in front of crowds, this was in front of crowds. But like in back of my mind, I'm like, I don't. It doesn't really. It's still a fight. It doesn't matter. That fight would not. Like the Volkanovski Ortega fight was the first fight that I watched post-pandemic where I was like god damn I am so happy the fans are back because this would be (laughs) awful with no fans that fight was unbelievable both men emerged victorious Uh, I don't want to like I wouldn't hate down the line if they ran it back because that fight was epic anytime you get a fight of the year I want to see another fight because it was just so good I want to see adjustments that Brian Ortega can make so it's not going to happen. Obviously, he's not going to get the Holloway treatment where he gets the immediate rematch. But say Brian Ortega strings together two more wins and Volk- Volkanovski's still the champ. wouldn't hate it. It also makes me more interested to see another fight with Brian and Max. And But Brian needs to take a break. He's absorbed a lot of damage his last three fights. And he's had time off between there. But that's because of injuries and various other things. So 10 out of 10 fight, fight of the year, round of the year. If you want to argue that it's the greatest round in UFC history, I won't argue that either.
3: I feel like with everything that happened the previous day and what we talked about in round one, that fight like was sort of the vindic like case I- said vindication for why we love this sport so much, like yeah, there's some hiccups and there's some bumps in the road but once in a while a fight like that comes along, a round like that comes along and you're just like, "Damn, this sport is just awesome." Despite some of like the negative things that can happen, this is why we watch. This is why we spend our Saturday nights watching fights, things like that. And it's great to see a guy like Volkanovski who kind of like flip the switch to to a heel and talk trash, try to get in his opponent's head and one thing people have been saying about Volkanovski Jose, over the last year, 15 months or so, is like, man, this guy is really good. He gets blamed for the Holloway decision, which which makes no sense. But a lot of people, like, and Jed says it all the time, like, he might be the best featherweight in the world. Hell, he might even be the best fighter overall in the world right now. They just don't know. And maybe he is. And it's it's just not being talked about enough in terms of where Volkanovsky should be viewed in those conversations. But after Saturday night, Jose, are you willing to say... Can you put a number on it? Top five, top three? And I know it's super subjective with rankings, especially this kind of discussion, but is Alexander Volk- Volkanovsky a top three, top five, pound for pound guy in the world right now? I'd say top five, but it'd probably be around
4: the five or four mark. Uh, I think his two win, like, again, his wins. he has, like, wins over two of the greatest, the two greatest featherweights of all time. He has two over Max, one over Jose Aldo. Those are the great. Those are one and two. I think we can all agree with that. I know Connor disagreed, but Who cares? Um, Those wins, though, as the Aldo fight was dominant and then the Holloway fights were competitive, but he didn't put him away. I'd still put him probably five. If you want to tell me six, that's fine, too. But he's clearly top ten. He's clearly top seven. I have said forever, like I know a lot of people on our site disagree. I still had Volkanovski number one in my personal rankings as a featherweight. I know a lot of people would still put Max number one and Volkanovski number two. Or like I think Casey Leiden had Volkanovski number four. four. That, <laughs> yep, that's, as, that's as expected. Yep. That's as expected. And then like a lot, I still put in my mind, I still put Charles Oliveira number one lightweight because in the end of the day, I think wins and losses matter in a sport. And if you are the champion, you are number one. Just do I think the 2007 Patriots were the best football team in the world at that year? 100%. But they lost. <laughs> they are number two. They came in second. You cannot rank them number one in the in the 2000. I know Mike would probably disagree, but you can't argue with wins and losses. So I had Volkanovski number one, and I think this cemented him. Max Holloway is just the second best featherweight in the world right now because he doesn't have 10 pounds of gold with him, or 15 pounds of gold and or whatever, however it weighs. So top six, top five, and are we? When you say pound for pound, are you including women in that right in that list? it's sejay suggest- however you want to present it i'd still put kamaru number 1 and then like amanda and valentina would have to be up there too but if you want to tell me volkanovski is i think obviously with habib and john jones not being in that conversation right now it would probably you'd have you'd have to include volkanovski and israel Adesanya. uh charles Olivera doesn't pore like all those guys so yeah i would probably put him 5 5 or 6 somewhere but easily in my mind number 1 featherweight in the world right now
3: AKA, we've done many of show, BTL, or you know, even like the even like the the, the year prediction that we did uh, for on to the next one, like all these predictions we were going to do. and One of the things you said is like Alexander Volkanovsky in essence is going to get the praise and the shine that he deserves. This is going to be like the year that people recognize who the hell that man is. So in terms of like the pound for pound conversation after a fight like that, I know he only fought once this year because of the long layoff, but are we ready to throw him into this discussion? The pound for pound, great, top three, top five. Where do you have him right now?
5: Uh, yeah, well, first of all, he, apparently, you know, uh, uh, even a blind squirrel can find a nut. So uh, I'm glad that I somewhat predicted that uh, he'd be getting his flowers. I still, I mean, look, we still need to see the aftermath. I I, I, I was a little, I thought, the, the, like, the reaction to the, the decision being read for him. I mean, people knew he won. It wasn't controversial. But, like. I feel like he was still less popular than Brian Ortega. Maybe I'm again. Uh, Jose, you probably had a better read on that. I still feel like ortega's like the more popular guy for whatever reason. But, um, so I, I don't know. I don't know if his reputation changed. For me, I already had him fourth. I had him fourth, uh, behind Usman number one, uh, Izzy number two, and Ghana number three. That's probably not going to change because of this fight. So, so I, I'm probably the highest on Volkanovsky out of anyone, I guess, along with Jose. Um, so yeah so it doesn't change that much for me and i'm just looking at our our consensus pound for pound rankings we have him fifth so behind the names i mentioned and dustin poirier so i don't know i don't know how it's gonna i always wonder uh, guys i always wonder how much a close fight affects someone's pound for pound dominance you know reputation because i think uh you know the one reason let's say andrew De silva a lot of people had him above, you know, GSP for a long time, depending who you ask, because he was so dominant in his fights. Uh, for me the appeal of GSP was the, the vulnerability that he showed, the depth of his division, um, and the fact that he was sometimes in danger in his fights and was able to, you know, turn it around and, and still, you know, win win in a definitive way, but always seemed vulnerable. So Volkanovski, I don't know if I'd, you know, necessarily compare him directly to GSP like that, but for me, a fight like this, like I said, where he gets to show a little bit of everything and show and overcome adversity makes it more impressive and does make me view him uh in in a better light as far as pound for pound goes but for other people i could see the opposite i could see people saying well i mean how close was he to being finished he could have been submitted in the third round so how how great of a pound for pound fighter can he be how dominant is he really so i don't know I, i can't speak for everyone for me i already had him high for other people i i could i could see an argument why um again depending how you define pound for pound greatness I could see an argument why you'd be like, no, he kind of stayed where he was. You know, maybe he leaped over, uh, def- definitively leaped over Holloway. But uh, even then, I'm sure there are people who won't who won't uh, give him that designation. So, um, yeah, I think I, I, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of hedging here because again, me personally, yes, top five pound for pound guy. In general, I don't know if he's made a, an airtight case that he should be.
3: Yeah, and it's it's what, what threw me off like the whole week before that fight it, it, and all of this because there is... Dana White had already said, like, Holloway's fighting Rodriguez November 13th, and, you know, from all accounts, for, like, six, seven weeks, that fight was not done, um, or even close to being done, for a number of reasons, and then with this fight on the doorstep, literally the day before is when ESPN reported, and we confirmed it, that it was happening, and I was just like, why? Why? The timing of all this, the date it comes out, like when it's happening, it makes so little sense to me to even have this fight happen, especially when Volkanovsky is coming out and saying, like, I don't want to wait that long. I want to get right back in there. He's talking about maybe going up to 155 to stay active. And we have this fight we have to wait for on November 13th between Holloway and Rodriguez. It just makes no sense. They should just pull this fight and just do the third fight between volkanovsky and holloway just put it in put it on the books for february or march that's a main event that's a fight everybody wants to see but kudos to volkanovsky happy to see him finally get a little bit of a kick in the respect department it's been deserved for a long time i really want to see that third fight between volkanovsky and holloway in terms of high level martial arts competition quote unquote jose youngs that is the fight i want to see i'm so fascinated by it and i, I want to see them fight Every weekend, I want to see 12 fights from those guys and just see how different it would be and the adjustments that are made. Just unbelievable stuff. But more on UFC 266 coming up next. The point for round two goes to... The Prince of oh Positivity. Alexander Kaylee, The man driving the Volkanovski train since day one. Thank you, Alexander Volkanovski.
5: This is a shared point with Alexander Volkanovski. Alex, <laughs> the, the, the Alex has got to stick together. Yeah, I was going to say...
3: Yeah. Alex Savish you get a third of the point too. So I know, look, okay,
5: she's, a, she's a bully. If she just wants to, if she like messaged me and said just give me the point, I have to give it to her. She's a, she's a real bully. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if people know this about her like she's, she's cool. She is cool. Like I know we do call her cool Alex, uh, and not just because we have to. She is cool, but um she's she's a bully. I'm just saying. Did, like, I, did I on a on a real
4: quick tangent of cool Alex. One time we were in Las Vegas. This was in our fan side day and we had all our bags lined up to check in outside the T-Mobile Arena and it's all like very expensive camera equipment and like lu- like various like bags and stuff and this homeless guy like walked up and straight up bent over to try and steal someone's camera and cool Alex just like got in his face he's like and she's just like what and the and the homeless guy was just like huh and this like <laughs> ran away like she like scared him away <laughs> that guy was lucky yeah, so okay. you should ask you should ask Alex about that. That's it's I've, I'll never forget that how like five foot one Alex Savis like punks this very tall homeless man from stealing a bunch of camera equipment. That
5: I hope that dude. Hilarious. I hope that dude turned his life around after because he, you know, I mean, I hope that like he realized how close he came to death on that day, <laughs> and like oh, and then yeah. said, okay, I'm gonna do, oh my, I'm turning it all around. Oh my god. Oh yeah,
3: yeah. Maybe maybe Alex Savis needs to talk to to other people in, in those types <laughs> of situations. But yeah, I'm not gonna mention John Jones, life coach. There you go. Let's uh let, let's get to the other big story coming out of UFC 266. That's right, despite everything Jed Mashue has said over the last year, Nick Diaz oh. made the walk to the octagon once again. It actually happened. Took on Robbie Lawler and the way I approached this fight was I'm going to be completely open-minded. I have no opinion. I have zero expectations. It's just two guys fighting and going in with that approach it was a much better fight fight than I thought it was going to be. Like, Lawler, Lawler looked real good, landed big shots on Diaz. Nick, early stages, I was like, oh boy. But then Nick started returning, started peppering shots. He was active. It seemed like he was getting loose and more comfortable in there. And it had been a long time since he had been in there. Lawler drills him in the nose in the third. Nick goes down in a heap. And then he was just like, I'm done. Lawler avenges the loss from 17 years ago. Nick didn't get badly hurt. No one got badly hurt. So I think... All in all, this was about as good of a result as we could have had for a fight like this. They had a nice moment at the end, and there you go. So, Jose, let, let me let me present this question in a way, and I'll let you expound upon it. If you could describe Nick Diaz's performance in one word, what would it be and why? Mm, confusing.
4: Confusing in the sense that I don't know how to feel about it. Not that he confused me with his performance. Uh, Cause in one aspect when they announced this fight, I was obviously very hyped for it. anyone that follows me on Twitter knows I've been literally tweeting about this fight since like the inception of Twitter. <laughs> like I've been asking for this fight for almost eight, like at least eight years. Uh, I don't know. It's it's. And then when I, I heard that he wanted to do 185, and then I saw that interview with bro Okamoto <clears throat> I saw him all week. Uh, I was around his team a bit. It just I felt like gross wanting this fight. Didn't feel like Nick wanted this fight. Didn't feel, sound like Nick was in a good space. Uh, it didn't look like Nick was in a good space. He kind of looked kind of soft. Obviously, you all saw that video of uh, him like shadow boxing and like the in the fighter photos and everything and the B roll. It just didn't look great. And then he, I saw his, and then I saw him walk out and. I don't know just i me and our friend oscar were like this is gonna be one-way traffic through five rounds like you gotta assume robbie's just gonna piece him up and just like decapitate the man so i feel weird in the sense that nick clearly didn't want to be there and then you saw like jake shields his teammates say like oh he wasn't ready and this and that and then you heard his comments after saying oh i don't know who made this fight i had this coming the whole time and like i i had this coming to me but then like i I had a lot of, like, the actual fight, like, the actual athletic p- portion of the fight, I had a blast watching that fight. The crowd went nuts Out- after outside of that third round between Volkanovski and Ortega. The crowd loved every second of Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler. Like, it is exact. like, if you would have told me that, that, like, a year ago that this fight was going to happen and both fighters were going to show up, like, ready to throw down, that's pretty much the fight I expected. Like, I, like do you remember a moment Robbie Lawler took a step backwards. I don't. But did you remember like a moment Nick Diaz got like seriously hurt outside of like the 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 fight ending sequence? I didn't. <clears throat> I was watching that fight uh, with Oscar and one of the UCPR people. Like we've got sat next to each other on press row, and we were both just like this the whole time. Like <laughs> like people that can't see it. Like we were like kind of like moving and like like it was it was so fun to watch in terms of a fist fight, and then the. And I, I remember after the first round, I'm like there's no possible way they could keep that pace up for five rounds. Like they just there was never a lull. They just threw punches. How long did the fight last? Twelve minutes? Around there, that, yeah. They threw punches for twelve minutes. They threw <laughs> punches and kicks for twelve <laughs> minutes straight. That's almost a, a three round fight. So I had a blast watching that fight, and then Robbie Lawler won in a way that I didn't expect him to win, but I did I did predict him to win. But Nick was really—I thought Nick was competitive in that fight after taking such a long layoff and not looking great. And then, and it just reminded me of a comment that Gilbert Melendez said: like, Nick is just a fighter. Like he doesn't need a camp. He can just go in there and survive. And I think that's why fans like Nick Di- the Diaz brothers because, like, Volkanovski and Holloway and all these guys, like they are extremely high-level martial artists, but they fight to win the the win the fight. Like they are fighting to win a sport. And Nick and Nate Diaz. They fight to survive like in life. Like that's the only reason they're MMA fighters. And that's what I saw in there. Nick Diaz takes like that whole everyone says like it wasn't a good showing to my Nick. I think that fight personifies Nick Diaz. Takes 6 years off, comes in semi out of shape, didn't want to be there, and he's still competitive against Robbie freaking Lawler. The dude is just a fighter. He doesn't need a camp. He can go in there and just fight to survive like he's been doing his literally his whole life so that's why I say confusing because part of me I'm like ah, Nick didn't need to take this he clearly doesn't want to be there I don't want anyone to do I don't want anything to do things that will that in you know, a violent things if they don't want to or feel obligated to do but then in the middle of it I'm having so I had so much fun watching that fight so to answer your question I would use confused but only confused by how I feel about watching the fight not by the performance Nick Diaz did
3: well said AK what is your word and why uh
5: enough and not in a negative way not in a negative way not as in oh i've seen enough i don't want i mean as in i thought nick diaz's performance was good enough that i st- kind of still want to see him keep fighting um it it, it wasn't you know look i, I get it. he wasn't in the best of shape you know i know i know just looking at some of the stills from the fight uh, some of some of the photos that are out there some some that we've used as like cover you know as uh, uh, a uh, header images for you know our stories it looks bad you know he's this is a guy who's known for being in incredible shape and for running you know doing triathlons and and he didn't want to he didn't or couldn't uh make this week you know he was the 185 which I think was fine for both guys I get it you didn't get the best looking Nick Diaz he probably himself will admit I'm sure uh in, in subsequent interviews should he do them he wasn't in the best of shape but the skills were all there the toughness was there for me this was like the best case scenario of when we bring up the possibilities of like a legends league, when we say, Oh, we'd like to see a legends league someday. This for me was a preview of what that could be like. It was, it was two guys who, again, they've both fought. Well, they both fought as they, you know, as we have seen them fight throughout their careers, even though Lawler was supposedly washed going into this fight, despite the fact that his losses are to very, very good, uh, high pace welterweights. So people wondering, could Robbie pull the trigger anymore? Maybe not against guys like Neil Magny, maybe not against guys like Colby Covington, but against someone who's a little bit again closer to him in age, closer to him in fighting style, you're gonna see the old Robbie Lawler. There was a lot there was a sensible stoppage. You know, I know when we think of again, people always talk about, oh, we don't want to legends because we don't want to see these guys get like really badly hurt. Well, the one as soon as one guy got really badly hurt in this fight, it was over. He had the good sense to stay on his back, to tell the referee, I've had enough. The referee immediately, you know, made made a decision and and that was it, and it was called. And that that's good like that's a good thing i know people, i don't want to hear people use the word quit he it looked like he got his nose broken i know this happens two or three times a fight card but i have no problem with a fighter if they get their nose broken saying i'm done i think i don't think i want to go through it to fight anymore so just when i'm fighting robbie lawler and i'm going to get hit in the nose 50 more times and there's a lot of respect there's a lot of mutual respect after i loved the embrace after you could tell it, it was genuine um so this for me is like all the elements that you'd want to see should again uh, a promotion actually implement some sort of legends league. So it w- it wasn't peak Diaz. I I am I'm, I'm actually glad. I know everyone I know he's saying he wish he'd fought Kamaru Usman. I think that would have been a terrible terrible fight. That's not a fight that I want to see anytime soon unless he, you know, fights his way back into shape, fights his way back into contention. But facing another guy that he fought 17 years ago in a rematch, I thought it was uh, it, Gosh, this is such a weird word to use for MMA. I thought it was charming. I, I thought the way it played out was was really enjoyable. So my word is enough, as in yes, the both guys did more than enough to make this, I think, a fight that was that they shouldn't regret that it was booked, and that I want to see them both keep fighting.
3: What do you think, Jose? Are you... Like, did you leave... And, and let me just throw a couple things out there. Um, one, I've never spoken word one to Nick Diaz, but I have spoken to, to a couple people close to him. It seems like he's not done. Like, he wants to keep going. And I know Ariel Hawani mentioned on the MMA Hour yesterday, there's some things that went on behind the scenes that may come out in regards to Nick in this fight, so we'll wait and see on that. But seems like AK is, is good about seeing Nick fight again. I know some people are like, nah, that was good enough, but... And, Jose, we talk about this all the time. I know we can't make that decision. I'm not asking you to make that decision here at all, but yourself, the guy who supports high-level martial arts competition, the fan, do you want to see Nick Diaz back in there? Does that idea excite you, or were you left with, if this is how it ends, I'm cool with that?
4: <clears throat> oh, if this is if Nick Diaz never fights again, I would have no problem with it. Like, it was a really entertaining fight. He went out on his shield. He went out, like, as AK said, like, when, when people were calling like oh a coward oh he ta- oh he ca- chicken out I was like that's nonsense to do like and also like his knee might have given out underneath him like people keep, keep pointing out that too so if Nick Diaz goes out like that I have absolutely no problem if he never fights again I don't know his monetary situation if he needs to fight to make money or this and that I don't know uh but as a fight fan and as someone who felt the atmosphere of of Nick in that arena and how receptive he was for the fans by the fans I would absolutely love to see Nick Diaz fight again. I don't know who he fights. I know a lot of people are saying like, oh he should fight uh, Cowboy he should fight Tony Ferguson Like this and that. Like, If you want to take that route, fine. But I'm Nick Diaz has also said he doesn't want to fight anyone that his brother has already fought. So I, that takes Cowboy right out of the equation. So it's not going to happen. He's not going to fight Masvidal. He's not going to fight any of the... Like, he's not going to fight Leon any of those guys. If you want to do the Tony fight, fine. But I, I, again, like if Nick Diaz's knee went out, if there's stuff going on behind the scenes that he that hasn't come out i wouldn't expect nick diaz to fight again till maybe like international fight week july 2022 so like in however many months that is like what eight months seven months whatever so something like that uh but as a fight fan i really i do want to see nick diaz fight again but only if he wants to I don't want to he- see any more interviews of like, I don't know why this fight's happening. I don't even want to be here. I hate everything about this. Like every time I try to leave, they pull me back in. And <laughs> like the part where he's like, Nate is like all like, Nate's taking everything I worked for because I wanted to, but then now I'm back and I hate all this. Like I don't want to see any of that. If Nick Diaz wants to fight, I
5: want him to fight. If he doesn't want to fight, I have no interest in watching him fight. That is my answer. You, you know what fight wouldn't make you sad, Jose? Wonder boy. I think that's the way to go. I think you mentioned no. Stuff. It's Wonderboy Robbie Lawler. That's the fight.
4: I said that at the preview show. I've been asking for that fight. The only person mm. that's been asking for that fight longer than me is James Lynch. James Lynch's <laughs> been asking for that fight since Robbie Lawler was the champion of the UFC. So. Well,
5: it was booked, wasn't it? Was it not? <clears throat> I think it was booked twice. Yeah, it's rumored.
4: I don't think it was actually yeah, like, booked. To,
5: but I think I think if well, I think that fight could happen, and then win or lose, I think Stephen Thompson could fight uh, Nick Diaz.
4: Maybe, or uh, if they give, I know Robbie was supposed to fight. Uh, Ponzinibbio at one point. I wouldn't hate Mm -hmm. that fight either. Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, I I do. We should also discuss what Valentina Shevchenko did on Saturday night because uh, I feel like she's often overlooked in these post pay-per-view reactions because she's just so, so good. And she just goes out and steamrolls people and it's expected and the odds are so highly in her favor. And what's interesting, I spoke with Lauren Murphy yesterday. You can watch that over on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel. It was super fascinating. And and look, she talks about her head coach testing positive for COVID on Tuesday and some of the weird things they had to go through on fight week. But it was incredibly fascinating to get an honest to God's account of what it is like to fight Valentina Shevchenko. And Lauren provided that, and it was really interesting. And Lauren knew after the first exchange that (laughs) that her... Strategy of I'm just going to be tough was a terrible strategy because she got clipped with the right hand and she was like, I can't be tough through all this. But go watch that interview because she goes through like moments in that fight and what it was like to actually share the cage with her. But Jose, look, there's two options here. We can keep feeding Shevchenko contenders at 125. I know Joanne Calderwood is fighting Alexa Grasso in November. A lot of people think maybe the winner of that fight. My opinion is if Calderwood wins, great. If Grasso wins, I'm not ready to throw her into a title fight just yet. Build upon that a little bit more. And then depending on what happens in December at UFC 269, if Amanda Nunes retains her title against Juliana Pena, do we just go ahead and pull the trigger on the champion versus champion third fight between those two? So if you have the matchmaking hat on, I mean, you are wearing a hat. I don't know if it's a matchmaking hat, but... Where are you going with this? Like, do you just want to get right after the, the Nunez thing, especially after what we heard on the MA hour yesterday? Or do you just want to keep letting Shevchenko just build this 125 pound resume more and more and more? I can't, I think you're muted.
4: This is going to sound like a very Jose answer, but I really want to see how Amanda looks against Juliana Pena. Because uh, again, I, I've said it for a long time Like Amanda Nunez has not really fall like an incredibly high level wrestler yet. And maybe that is her kryptonite. Maybe this maybe that fight between Amanda and Valentina doesn't even happen because Amanda Nunes loses to a high level wrestler. She's not really bent on her back. Like who's the last like really good wrestler she fought? Kat Zingano? And what happened? So I wanna see I wanna see how she looks. Even if it's competitive. Like I said before, if it's like a hyper competitive fight, I wanna just eff it, run it back. If Amanda Nunez looks any part of human, if if, if Juliana Peña is her Chael son effort. i it. I'll, I'll, I'll watch that. I'll watch Amanda Nunes fight Juliana Pena a second time. So right now on September 30th at 9.50 a.m. Pacific time, yeah, I want to see the third fight between Amanda Nunes and Valentina Shevchenko. That could change in December. Uh, I've been wanting to see JoJo fight Valentina for a long time just because they're two very high-level Muay Thai specialists, but JoJo kind of keeps fumbling at the, the goal line or taking fights that she shouldn't have to even though the fight is booked. But that's, you know, she loses fair and square and she takes fights when she wants to fight, so I'm not blaming JoJo. Uh, I think the UFC has tried to make that fight several times, and it just hasn't worked out. I really enjoy Alexa Grasso's fighting style. Uh, she's, I think she's every bit as durable as Lauren Murphy, but has incredibly fast hands, and I think she's been in a lot of fights that I think are overlooked uh, on undercards because of things that have happened later on in the fight. Like Her fight against Carlos Barnes in Mexico ruled. Her fight against Carolina Kovalkiewicz in Chicago ruled. Her fight against Macy Barber ruled. In Vegas, like all of those fights are awesome, but I agree with you. If she beats JoJo, I think she's one fight away. Maybe you do Grosso Andrade for like the number one contender spot. If Alexa Grosso wins, I know Andrade wants to go down and challenge a flyweight. but she's looked great. She's the number one flyer in the world. So if she doesn't have to go down, then she doesn't have to. So I think it just really depends. Uh, But I agree with everything you said. I just, I also personally really like to see long. Dominant victories like title reigns like I was like what what did uh? Demetrius Johnson said something that has stuck with me for a long time When everyone kept trying to get him to go up to 135 He's like how many championships are there three You know how many people have the most title defenses in UFC history One There can only be one and I was like that is a very good point So I ever since you said that it's kind of made me rethink these long dominant reigns And Jaron Cannoneer has also said like my goal is to win the belt and fill up all the rubies on each side, so I'm whatever Valentina wants. At the end of the day, it's her prerogative. I hope she gets paid, but me personally, I want to see a long, dominant reign. I want to see her double lap the division because we haven't seen that really since Demetrius Johnson, Anderson Silva runs.
3: Yeah, I I love asking the question like, can it be done? Can it be done? How can this person yeah. do it? And yeah. I feel like <clears throat> we try to find ways, but then Valentina just I, goes right into that fire and it changes the the, the question right away. I
4: believe. Back after the I don't think you guys heard it because it was like off camera after the press conference I believe she's the first fighter to fill up one side of the belt of rubies because they don't retroactively give you rubies so like John Jones mm-hmm. doesn't have like X amount of rubies or Man News doesn't have X amount of rubies so I believe Valentina is the first one to fill up one side
3: AK. Otno fans and listeners know your thoughts on this already. Yeah. You're ready to pull the trigger but mm-hmm. especially after hearing Shevchenko on the MMA hour yesterday being kind of un-Shevchenko-like, like throwing a little shade in there. I'm not playing the game. Say it's a heel turn but she she she's went after it. Did that enhance it even further? Is this Did this change it from this is what we should do to this is a no-brainer? Nah. Nah, for,
5: for me it doesn't No, no, because I was already very high on that and, and, and I don't like like I said, she's playing the game. She's playing the game. I don't know if she necessarily believes, you know, some of the things she's saying about, uh, you know, Nunez kind of feeling like she like, I got, I got away with one in the second fight. Um, I, I really there's two things that I really want to see happen besides the third fight happen. I'd love to see people go back and rewatch the second fight. I again, I could be wrong. Maybe people are way more on the ball on this one. That fight is just not good. It's such a it's a dull fight. It's with respect to, you know, close technical battles. It's just a fight where a lot of stuff doesn't happen um And the other idea that that it was somehow a robbery is just absurd. I, I'm not, I have no issue with people saying uh, Valentina strachenko won. That's fine, but you know, guys know I have, I have a pretty tight definition of robbery. Like it has to be like, oh, clearly, watch that fight. So little happens in that fight that if you're telling me either fighter like ran away with it, you're 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 just not making <laughs> an objective statement. It's just not true. So that's the other reason I want to see them fight again. It's just put those first two fights in the past and uh, look the, th- the third fight could be just as dull but at least it'll give some people something new to talk about because i'm so tired of that second fight um being brought up in without any like proper context it's just bizarre to me but um I, look i i am also fine with her staying at flyweight and just continuing because this is like sneakily one of the better Booked divisions in the UFC. I know people think it has no depth because there's such a dominant champion at the top. I disagree. I think it's actually a really a pretty good division, and I think it's been getting better every year. And it's been booked to keep moving. Like it keeps moving, moving, moving. They keep finding fights for the veterans. They keep uh, signing promising uh, prospects who, again, unfortunately, the timing just a little off for them to ever, you know, maybe um, challenge Shevchenko. I feel like a lot of them are f- a few fights and maybe a couple of years off. But otherwise, it's a really kind of intriguing division from top to bottom. I actually really like flyweight. Um, the other tough part about it is there's two high level gatekeepers um, in the con- the top contender spots. Jessica Andrade and Caitlin Truexegan, like those two, I feel like beat everybody else. We talked kind of about featherweight. I'm not saying Andrade Truexegan are on the like the Holloway Ortega level, but I do feel like those two are a cut above every other name at 125. So that that's what makes it so tricky. So uh, for me, I want I want to see them just do the uh, third Nunez fight if the timing works out. If Nunez um, has a convincing win over Pena, and let the, let 125 kind of keep shaking itself out uh, and and get sorted because um, I feel again win or lose against Nunez, she can always go back. Make that fight happen and then uh, she can s- keep continuing her quest to to, you know, maybe surpass the most successful title defenses in UFC
3: history. <laughs> it's just so fun to watch Valentina fight, too. It's just really amazing to, to see how effort it's, it's effortless but it's not like it just looks that way. And she's just so damn good. And uh, I don't, yeah, whatever she does, I still think that they're going to wait on that fight. Like if Nunez, I don't think Nunez has a lot left to give in the sport, nor should she have to give a lot more. Uh, So maybe like December, 2022 last fight of Nunez's career, we do it one more time. And then she moves on and Shevchenko can either be the champ champ or she goes back and keeps defending 125 uh, at the 125 pound title. But Two sixty six, Memorable card for sure. One of the best of the year. A lot of MMA to look forward to this weekend. That's where we're going for round four. The point for round three goes to... Goes to Jose Young's. Jose Young's two to one. Great battle.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
5: From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to
3: BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And let's quickly talk about this weekend because tomorrow, it's Thursday as we record, so on Friday, little afternoon show for Bellator MMA. We actually get to see a live European Bellator show. No tape delay, no nothing. Michael Venom Page versus Douglas Lima, the main event, the rematch from a few years back. And then on Saturday, UFC is back at the apex, UFC Vegas 38. That one is headlined by Tiago Santos versus Johnny Walker. So, AK, let's begin with you. The UFC has a much more interesting card top to bottom. No doubt about it. Top to bottom, this isn't even a conversation. Who has the better main event, though? Is it Bellator with the Lima MVP rematch? Or is it Santos versus Johnny Walker over on the other channel?
5: Oh, it's Bellator. And and, and, I, and I'm excited for the Tergo Santos-Johnny Walker fight. I mean, that just seems like a, a striker's delight, right? I mean, that's either going to be a, a, a wicked five-round striking battle or a highlight real KO. But I think this uh, this Lima MVP... Uh, I don't want to call the rematch overdue because I think both guys had reasons and had uh, other logical opponents in between, you know, their 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 first fight and now. So it's not I won't say overdue, but it's the I will say it's the perfect timing for it. I think if they waited any longer, it'd been kind of senseless. This is a fight I think both guys are interested in. Obviously, MVP wants to get that 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 lone loss back. Um, and a lot of his fans feel he was doing well against Douglas Lima. I, I don't subscribe against. I think a lot of people thought maybe he was. Again, depending who you ask, you know they'll still say, "Oh, he was really like look, he was really like before he got caught. You know, he was probably you know uh, leading on the scorecards." I don't know if I'd go that far, but he was doing well. I, I think he did show that he is more than a quote unquote can crusher. That uh, that uh, you know, yes, even though he's had some favorable matchmaking, that doesn't mean that he's not skilled enough to fight the Douglas Lima's of the world to fight the top welterweights in bell tour. So I'm glad he's getting another shot to prove it. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a winnable fight for him. Like I think Douglas Lima is great. I think we always talk about him as one of the most overlooked guys in 170, just cause he doesn't fight in the UFC. But I also think that, uh, that, that I think the skill gap between him and MVP is not as large as people think. So I'm r- super intrigued by that main event. Um, again, I'm gl- I'm glad it's finally being done. Is it only a, th- it's only a three rounder, right? Yeah. So that's that does ding it a bit. That does ding it a bit, but I will give uh, the edge to Bellator here, and I'll say I'll say it comfortably, just because I think the storyline makes sense. I it's I love that it's happening in London. This is such a this is such a great uh, you know marketing move for for Bellator. This ha- you you need to have uh, big Michael Page fights in London. So this had happen in like Uncus- in glamorous Uncasville, which we all love. It would have been fine. This for me takes it to another level, and that's. You know, probably the last the last thing that puts it over um, Saturday's UFC main event for me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give the tip to Bellator here.
3: Yeah, I mean, what did can you make an argument for Santos, Johnny Walker, Jose over this fight? I, I feel like this Lima MVP rematch is right up your alley.
4: Yeah, I mean, I'll play devil's advocate because I'm a huge MVP fan and a huge Lima fan. I was actually in attendance for their first fight. It was the first, it might have been the last Bellator card I covered for mmafighting.com. It was the same day as Rose Andrade, so like everyone else went to Rio, and I went to sh- cold, like rainy sh- Chicago. But that card ruled because, like, let's not forget, Liam MVP was the co-main event. The main event was Chandler Pitbull, <clears throat> and also Adrian McKee, Pat Curran, and Jake Hager, and oh my God, what's his name? Tombstone Jones, what is his name? T.J. TJ Jones, T.J. Jones. Yes, yeah, so that card ruled. So I've been asking for this fight for a long time in general. Uh, but I will play devil's advocate and I I So take that for take that for what it is. I do agree with almost almost everything AK said uh, Three-round fight for MVP Lima is a huge ding for me Their first fight was a five-round fight because again that's part of the Waltz Grand Prix where every fight was five rounds because Troy McDonald the champion was in there. <clears throat> I Want this to be five rounds and a, a, an individual named Ross McCafferty who I believe is a reporter over in the UK or I don't know his exact uh, job over there, but he's like from Scotland he lives in London. And he tweeted at me when I was talking about this, and this is this his exact phrasing for this card taking place in London. Doesn't seem like there'll be much of a home crowd for MVP. It's a shame. This fight is not well marketed. It is a top heavy card. It is not very well priced at all. Even the worst seats in the house are 80 bucks. You'd think they'd cut prices down and go for a packed crowd. Half empty arena isn't going to be a good look. Now, this is someone that has his boots on the ground in London. He's saying it's not even going to be a home crowd fight for MVP because it's going to be an empty arena. Maybe they cut the prices down. You know how a lot of fighters, that Bellator does a lot of those things where like the local fighters are like at the is like the amateur regional scene and they can sell tickets to fill out the arena. But if if that's the case, and I tend to agree with someone who's living in London that this fight <laughs> is not being well marketed than someone that's, what, on the on the west coast of the United States, about as far away from London as you can get. So uh, those are the two knocks for this card. Uh, I Apparently, apparently, according to someone there, it's not being well marketed. It will be a semi-empty arena. Uh, let's also not forget, it's in the middle of a pandemic. The UFC was supposed to go to London, and they pulled it because of travel restrictions. Uh, MVP said Lima, I don't know if you watch, obviously you guys watched the MVP interview with Ara Hawani on the MMA Hour. He said Lima had asked for this to be possible catchweight. That's not happening. I know they made weight, but the fact that Lima's already hinting at maybe struggles at making 170 may, makes me think that this might not be the best fight in the world. I actually thought MVP did really well in the first round. Yes, if you watch that fight, Lima was on top of him for a lot of it, but MVP had like risk control for a huge chunk of that fight. and he was kind of, I don't want to say he was piecing him up, but MVP was clearly the more dangerous striker on the feet in that fight. And then he himself said when he got knocked down, you know, when you get knocked, like the first rule of when you get knocked down in MMA is you go backwards, away from the strikes. But MVP said he had such success on the feet that he got overconfident and just stood up like he was tying a shoe and walked and leaned right into a right hook from or a hook from hell that decapitated the man. So he knows the exact mistake he made, and MVP seems like the type of guy that can make adjustments. I'm not going to give a prediction just yet, but uh, I think those are the big knocks. Plus, Tiago Santos is a monster, and he has like anyone that has a Thor's hammer tattooed on his chest. And we talk about MVP's interview a lot, but did you watch Johnny Walker's interview? That was with awesome. Halani, <laughs> that was when great. he said, I want to go to hell because hell is my home, and I want to be comfortable in my home. I want to taste the blood in my mouth. So I'm like, my God. Well, if there's one man that is going to take you to hell, it's going to be Tiago Santos. So I'm all in favor of this fight. Ten out of ten across the board. Soon to be new dad, Tiago Santos. Let's not forget, Yannick Sky is pregnant. So uh, I think if you're going to watch one fight, watch that fight because that fight could last 30 seconds or it could be five rounds of quote-unquote hell. Or I guess third option could be AK's lovely prediction of Johnny Walker and Nikita Krylov that's not making three rounds and then we saw what
3: happened uh one of the greatest moments in between the links history came from that fight <laughs> thanks to uh my our friend davidson baker um jose real quick before you move on here Low-key, banger, storyline. We're coming off 266, so the, the hangover's a little bit real heading into these fight night events. But there are some interesting fights, some interesting storylines heading into Saturday. Uh, and maybe you, you, maybe the low-key, banger, and storyline's coming from Bellator. I doubt it, but w- what say you? What's the one that sticks out I to mean, you? I
4: mean, for Bellator, if you're going to watch one fight outside of the main event, it's probably the co-main. Lee McCourt, I think, is kind of the one to watch. Uh, I know that the female divisions aren't the most stacked so anytime you kind of get any sort of rise, I think that's the, the fighter you want to pay attention to. Uh, I also believe she's very good friends with Molly McCann. So anyone, anyone that Molly likes, she has to be a good person because Molly's <laughs> like, like the nicest person in the in the world. But if you're talking about the UFC, um, I mean, there's like the whole main of the main card in general. Every fight has some sort of interest in it, like Cowboy Oliveira, Nico Price, bananas. Macy, I don't know if you watched Macy Jason's Media Day interview, but she doesn't have a lot of positive things to say about Aspen Lad because of, they pulled out of her last fight, and Aspen apparently was apparently very classless. Uh, so, anytime there's a fight with some sort of heat, especially between the ladies, I'm very excited for Alexander Hernandez is a psycho. Uh, prelims though, the the re, the retirement fight. Bets go ahead. I'm going to let A K Lee talk about that fight. Oh, pour one out, pour one yeah, out. I'm going to let A K Lee bring that one up. <laughs> Anthony and Shoshenko. So we're going to see. If, uh, Valentina back in her corner. I know, Mike, you've interviewed Casey O'Neill a few times. I know she's like one of the people to watch at Flyweight. Antonin Shevchenko has oddly enough become a gatekeeper for no reason outside of her last name. Like they give her these high-level prospects or people that they want to like use the Shevchenko name to kind of bounce off, off of, which is whatever. that's your role, she's still getting high-level fighters. So pretty much every fight on this card has at least some sort of intrigue for me. Even if it's just one fighter, uh, as as I think Jed Mishu has said a few times and I've said it a few times, there's a lot of Wikipedia pages, a lot of <laughs> Wikipedia pages on this card. So the UFC card is fun. Uh, and I'm glad Thiago Santos versus Johnny Walker is a five round fight. So if you're going to pick one card between the two to watch from the beginning on, the obvious answer is the UFC. Like that's just no brainer.
3: A.K. You know how, especially on the matchmaking show, my relationship with Antonina Shevchenko is. It is like an emotional yes. roller coaster. It's up and down. She. I, I you know, don't even like to bring her name up. Yeah, it's 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 tough. And then you know, I'm like, all right, she's finally got over that threshold. Here we go. Now she's gonna go. And then she loses <laughs> her next fight. And she gets submitted by Andrea Lee, which is there's no shame in that. Andrea Lee is a very talented fighter. But now we're we're back to where she was before, and she's taking on Casey O'Neill, who's a, a hell of a fighter. But that's a great fight under the radar. Not a lot of people are talking about it. But what's yours? What's the low-key banger, low-key storyline that's that's not getting enough love, in your opinion? Oh, well, I am just so interested. Well, again, I,
5: I'm a little disappointed this isn't on the main card, as, as Jose brought up. This is Betch-Colheia versus Ke- uh, Carol Rosa. I'm probably over-accenting that. Uh, I'll say Carol Rosa. is like the... Uh, well, this is this is basically last fight. This is presumably her last MMA fight. She has announced it as her last MMA fight, uh, her fight with. I think this was supposed to happen in uh, not her fight with Carl Rosa, but I think she was supposed to fight uh, Wu Yanan. And I think that was supposed to be her last fight. And then did not she kind of get released? But then the UFC agreed to give her one more fight. Yep. There's a lot of work that went into making this fight happen. And I would <laughs> like, how can you bury this? As, it's not even the featured prelim. This is this is a, this is a legend. <laughs> Okay, I know we. Exa- I know. Listen, uh, she has become, you know, from her early days as being sort of this heel foil to Ronda Rousey. That's a long time ago. Since then, she has become almost like an Artem Lobov type, like cult figure, um, as far as her toughness and her ability to somehow still keep getting high profile fights, even though her she hasn't always had the most success inside the cage. Her 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 dancing skills, which would make Bob Fosse blush. I mean, it is. <laughs> there's so much like to appreciate about her. She's 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 carried herself pretty well, and like I said, ever since the Rousey stuff, which was just everyone's flinging heat here and there all over the place, she's carried herself pretty well in interviews, and I think she's been a good, pretty good ambassador for the sport. So uh, I I wish that this fight would be a bit higher. Um, so it shouldn't even be a deep cut. I I would. I mean, you could put Alexander Hernandez and Mike Breeden on the prelims. I know they like Alexander Hernandez. I don't know. Otherwise, it is a pretty strong main card, as, as Jose mentioned. So some really a couple of other weirds to look out for. Uh, Alejandro Perez and Johnny Eduardo have not been able to fight for a long time probably you know COVID-19 related travel slash visa issues and all that Uh, this will be Johnny Eduardo's first fights in like over 1200 days he's 43 years old he's close to his entering his like 25th year as a professional MMA fighter, so Johnny Edwards is back, people. He's not retired, and he's fighting another guy coming off a long layoff in uh, uh, Turbo Perez. So that's a fun one. And then I want to point out one more oddity on the uh, Bellator card. I'm really interested in uh, I need to Elena Kalianidou, who is this? She's a 22 year old fighter from Greece. Uh, she's had two like several kicks of the can with Bellator. They brought her in when she was like 19. She lost two fights. They released her. Logically, she went back, won some fights, came back to Bellator, has lost her next two fights. She's 0-4 in Bellator so far. I think she's being set up with an opponent that she should be able to defeat. So this will be this is deep on the on the Bellator prelim. So that's one I want to see this young lady, very talented young fighter, uh, get her first Bellator win. If she doesn't, if this is 0-5 in Bellator, then uh, you know maybe it's just it's just not meant to happen for her right now. But um, yeah, that's one fight to look out for. Elena Kalinidu and
3: Petra Kastkova. A.K. Digging deep. Real deep. Digging deep. Super deep. You're like digging to, dig into another country right now, A.K. and uh, <laughs> All the way to Greece. All the way to Greece. And because of that, you have tied things up. It is two to 2-2. Two. We head to the knockout round. Such a shocking development here on BTL. One question, one minute for each competitor. They have no idea what this question is. They will discuss amongst, they will discuss their thoughts on this question. And then after that, I will award the winner. We're not going to call anybody in because we just don't have that kind of time. We don't have that kind of. We're not on video. It's not that big of a deal. So, um, Jose, we'll, we'll go with you. You know, do, we're going to give you the champions' prerogative. I believe you're the last person to uh, between the two of you to have a victory on the program. So I'll allow you to uh, to dictate. You want to go first or pass it on over to AK? I can't. What I oh, you got on you're muted yeah. happy,
4: So I, I'm gonna pass it on to AK because I know if he was given the champion's prerogative, he would have wanted to go first anyway. So since it, is a, since it is AK's birthday, Always. happy birthday <laughs> AK! Oh, I thank that you. Question. That is my reasoning. Not competitive advantage at all. I'm doing this for AK.
3: What a gift. <laughs> AKA, I'm not going to... I know when it comes to these questions, you get a little nervous, you get a little anxious. You're like, no. "What is it going to be a door question? Is it going to be put nervous. myself in the perspective of a different fighter? <laughs> no, we're not doing any of that. We're going to keep things simple, okay? We are going to shine some more light on the greatness of UFC 266, okay? We are going to award the sixth player award winner for UFC 266. We're going to give this award to a fighter who competed on that card that delivered a tremendous performance, but is not being discussed enough, that is not getting enough shine coming out of Saturday's event, whether it be the first fight, whether it be a main card fight, however you dictate this question, however you see it playing out in your mind, you go with that. We're going to put one minute on the clock. Who is the six-player award winner from UFC 266? Your time starts right now.
5: Gosh, there's like two obvious choices, so I'm really glad I'm going first here. And let me just say, overall, uh, this was such a classy card, like the way the fighter behavior was. So uh, I'm, I'm sure Jose will cover the other one that I'm thinking of. I'm going to go with Marabd and I mean, I had picked Marlon Rice to beat him. Uh, I just think Marlon is still, like, you know, uh, at his best as like a top five bantamweight. I know, again, he's had some struggles. But early on, classic Marlin you know, stings his opponent early, looks like he's ready to get another first round finish. And uh, Marab, this is exactly the test he needed. This is a guy who a lot of us have him pegged as a future bantamweight title challenger. There's obviously things in his way. It's pretty deep, it's a deep division. There's a lot of contenders up top. And his best friend, uh, one of his best friends, uh, currently holds the undisputed title. We'll see how long that lasts. but. Uh, so for for me, this is the performance. Murat, ten needed. seconds, and it's the featured prelim, which is always nice. It was on ESPN, like news or something. Okay, so I don't know how much exposure he got, but this is seven straight wins against again a pre- former title contender, a guy who has just been uh, top ranked forever, and kind of, almost like with Volkanovski, showed his resilience, showed his expertise, showed his finishing ability, just an awesome performance all around. Showed his personality after. So uh, I think pretty easy pick for me. The sixth man would be uh, Mirab Balashvili.
3: All right, AK, taking uh, some liberties with the time. It's all okay. Oh, I'm sorry, my, my sound went out for a second. It's okay. I,
5: as far as people are concerned, my sound went out, <laughs> and okay. uh, I did
3: not hear the, the warning. Uh, it's the magic of of digital audio. All right, Jose, he went with awesome, Marab, awesome. AK went with Marab DiWalshwili. That's a great pick. Uh, same question for you. Who is your six-player award winner? Maybe you could pick Marab, and you have different reasons for that, but it's up to you. Uh, 60 seconds on the clock. Your time starts now.
4: It's a great pick, but it's an obvious pick, so I'm not going to go with the obvious pick. Also, that was the sixth fight from the top, so just the, the and everything lines up for the answer to be Marab Dvalish, Billy. Really. But I'm not going to go with that. I'm going to go the one that probably no one's talking about because he got overshadowed by the rest of the card because he was on the first fight of the night. Jonathan Pierce fought Omar Morales. And if I have to ask you, how many times has... Who is the only man other than Jonathan Pierce to beat Omar Morales? That's right. You guessed correctly... Giga Chikaze, who's on an absolute tear. How many times has Omar Morales ever been finished in his entire life before Saturday night? Zero. He went to a decision with Giga Chikaze. Jonathan Pierce submits him in the in like what, the second round and in a very exciting fight. It was very, a lot of fun scrambles, walks into the back. None of the microphones even work and no one seems to care and he just goes, Oh, you know what take your time you guys are doing you got us you guys got a long night ahead of you <laughs> let's get all the bugs out so you know what Jonathan Pierce I appreciate you for understanding the plights of the media backstage also Mike you were there people ask me what one-way traffic is in an MMA fight watch Joe Lozon versus Jonathan Pierce Joe Lozon basically just big brothered him into a into a TKO victory and then Joe Lozon hasn't ever fought again so Congratulations, Jonathan Pierce. You have back-to-back wins over Kai Kamaka III and Omar Morales. And I didn't even think you were UFC talent after fighting Joe Lozon. So you are my sixth man because you proved me wrong. You're very respectful to the media backstage. And you stopped a man. who went three rounds with Gage Kadze. Congratulations, Jonathan Pierce, on a a second UFC win.
3: My pick was more attached to AK, but it's Ray Longo and Matt Sarah. They actually get to to share this award because if you just need a pick me up, if you need a boost in life, I want you to go watch the corner of Marab Willie between rounds one and two in that Marlon Marais fight. And you will be, you will go run 10 miles. If you've never run 10 miles before, you will go run 10 miles because between Ray Longo and Matt Sarah, I was jacked up on Saturday night after listening to that corner. Uh, but we heard it. We got Marab. We got JSP. Excellent arguments from both ends. But now I got to pick a winner. And this is the worst part of the gig. But technically, as you know, there really isn't a winner. We just play and debate. But the winner of Colleague versus Colleague BTL is... The man with the backwards hat... Jose Youngs, he gets it done. What? Digging deep with JSP, no one else would have done that. <laughs> Just no, nobody else would have done that. AKA, it was you a know. wonderful guest. They wouldn't think to. They wouldn't, you know why they, they can shouldn't. think to? Because now we have
4: a podcast on MMAfighting.com called "I Got Next," where they can meet the next wave of talent in the MMA. Look and if they the want to inter- if they want to see Murad talk, then go. They get two in Mondays and Wednesdays on the MMA Out. MMAfighting.com a, MMA what a professional. all of your
5: content. This is why you're my colleague. This is why, <laughs> when I think of colleague, Jose Young's one of the first faces that comes
3: to mind. There you go. What That's a professional. Right. All right, Jose, I know you got things to do and places to go, but before you, before you leave, 30 seconds, my friend. Talk about whatever it is you want to talk about, good, bad, and different, MMA-related. Go.
4: I'm not talking about anything MMA-related. I'm going to talk about, listen, Mike,
3: this is a very important day for people in Boston.
4: I swear to God, if the Seattle Mariners make the playoffs for the first time since 2001 and the Red Sox are on the outside looking in, I might burn down a house. Like, there's no reason why we should have 90 win. Like, we're playing the Orioles. Hey, if we lose today to the Orioles and we don't make them, because then we have to go face the Nationals, who also aren't very good. Like, the listen the the ML, the baseball gods are laying this up for us to make the playoffs and shut out the mariners again did you know ak actually no of course ak knows this <laughs> the Seattle mariners have had the longest playoff drought in north american professional sports as of right now they haven't made the playoffs since ichiro's rookie year when they won 116 wins and then they lost in the alcs yeah they haven't won since. they haven't made the playoffs since not for lack Insane. of trying they have a good team. They're gonna make the playoffs next year. They're just not this year. The Red Sox should make the playoffs and then they get swept in the first round because that's what's gonna happen. But I swear to God, if the Mariners break their streak and it's on the Red Sox expense because they can't beat the Orioles and the Nationals, I'm gonna light a house on fire.
3: It's oddly enough, the <coughs> 10 year anniversary of the day that the Red Sox and Terry Francona parted ways oh. after the Red Sox lost their season finale To the baltimore orioles and missed out on the playoffs yeah but the orioles were really good they were good down the stretch they were the spoiler of all spoilers uh they they didn't make the playoffs i still think they had the worst record in the al east that year but they won like 18 of 20. that was like right on the
4: peak of when they were gonna like they had young machado young adam jones like young chris davis like they were about to break out so man again and that's the mariners this year so don't let it happen again red sox I know you have an awful you can't field, you forgot how to catch pop flies. You give up home runs like it's your job. Your but just don't sucks. let it happen in the man.
3: <laughs> bullpen sucks so bad. Hey, AK your thoughts on MMA or, or, or the the world of professional baseball.
5: Oh, I just wanna say I was I was surprised neither of us picked Dan <clears throat> for that last question. I gotta give a special shout out to Yeah and and, and Nasrath Haqabaraz. But specifically to Dan, he, he won the fight. And also he used his post-fight mic time to like pray. To, he's just like, oh, don't worry about me. It's like, you know, uh, uh, Nasrath went through so much as well. The visa, of course, his mother recently passed. So he used like the first like 30 seconds of his post-fight victory speech to praise his opponent. And this is just kind of my example, of, like I think and why I and some people enjoyed UFC 266 is at the moment the fights were great and then the behavior around the fights I thought was also just wonderful I thought there was so much respect and people acknowledging just like how difficult it is to make these events happen you know during a pandemic and and to see Dan Hooker like again go out of his way when we know he's been through hell trying to you know get, get to Vegas over the last two weeks for them to then say well it was nothing compared to what my, you know, what my opponent went through. I thought it was just awesome. So I was surprised that that Jose didn't go with that, and I thought I was a shoe in when he went for for Jonathan Pierce. But yeah, it I guess. just felt too too on the too obvious. This, he's a multiple time BTL champion, and uh, and I am not. <laughs>
3: A.K. You are a multiple
5: time champion. Go I back in the archives. You are. You are. I mean, technically I've won more than once, but I think like I've never. You know what? Who cares? This is no me. Congratulations, Jose. Sure. <laughs> That's true. I hope... I hope All of our baseball teams make the playoffs i'm going to a game i'm going to a game friday night and uh fingers crossed uh jay's got to beat the yankees to stay alive so you can watch the second
4: place winner for the american league mvp yes
5: i'm not gonna argue with that i I think the otani stuff is crazy i I, I don't see the blue jays i don't think he can't be the mvp the
4: Blue Jays terrifying me. I've been saying that for like three years. Hey, Vlad guys. Jr., Vlad Jr., Bo Bichette, George Springer, and Calvin Biggio is going to have to get his act together. But Jay's, Jay's, a got a bad,
5: Jay's got a bad bullpen, too, though, so I'm, I'm suffering the same stress. <laughs> yeah,
3: bullpens. Bullpens are everything, man. Bullpens are everything, especially in September and October. But that'll do it, everybody. BTL is in the books. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it very much. Uh, don't forget, this weekend, fight coverage galore on MAFighting.com. We've got the preview show coming up on Friday for UFC Vegas 38. we you got your Bellator results and all that coverage. We'll have a pre-fight Q&A, people's pre-fight show before UFC Vegas 38, post-fight show, all that good stuff. And, of course, AK and I back on Sunday for another episode of On to the Next One. But until then, we'll see you next week right here on Between the Legs. Good night, everybody. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.